0: I'm uh, Gary Nettleton, Uh, those of you who attend here regularly know I don't show up that regularly. But anyway, (laughs) I have a pretty abysmal record (laughs) in attendance, but I was invited uh, to uh, fill in uh, by Sarah a couple weeks ago to fill in today, and uh, so here I am. Uh, We're going to talk uh, about the woman at the well, and yes, I am going to talk about Houston, and and that, but I also want to talk about us, and that's kind of the outline. So let's hear the text. Jesus had to go through Samaria. He came to a Samaritan city called Sychar which was near the land of Jacob that had been given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there and Jesus was tired from his journey. So he sat down at the well and it was about noon. The Samaritan woman came to the well to draw water and Jesus said to her give me some water to drink. His disciple had gone into the city to buy some food. The Samaritan woman asked, Why do you, a Jewish man, ask for something to drink from me, a Samaritan woman? And John puts in this note that Jews and Samaritans didn't associate with each other. Jesus responded, If you recognize God's gift and who is saying to you, Give me some water to drink. You would be asking him, and he would give you living water. The woman said to him, "Sir, you don't have a bucket, and the well is deep. Where would you get this living water? You aren't greater than our father Jacob, are you? And he gave he gave this well to us. He drank from it himself." as did his sons and his livestock. Jesus answered, Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks from the water that I give will never be thirsty again. The water I give will become in those who drink it a spring of water that bubbles up into eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir... Give me this water so that I will never be thirsty and will never need to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, get your husband and come back here. The woman replied, I don't have a husband. You are right to say you don't have a husband, Jesus answered. You had five husbands. And the man who you're with now isn't your husband. You've spoken the truth. The woman said, Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you and your people say it is necessary to worship in Jerusalem. Jesus said, Believe me, woman, the time is coming when you and your people will worship, Father, neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You and your people worship." what you don't know and we worship what we know because salvation is from the Jews but the time is coming and is here when true worshipers will worship in spirit and in truth the father looks for those who worship him this way God is spirit is necessary to worship God in spirit and truth The woman said, I know that the Messiah is coming and the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will teach everything to us. And Jesus said to her, I am the one who speaks with you. Just then, Jesus' disciples arrived and were shocked that he was talking with the woman. But no one asked, what did you want? Or why are you talking with her? The woman put down her water jug and went to the city and said to the people, Come and see the man who has told me everything I've done. Could this man be the Christ? They left the city and were on their way to see Jesus. They, um, that's the <laughs> that's say. They left the city and were on their way to see Jesus. On the way to see Jesus. Now, somehow or another, this text and this woman have been abused all the more by Christian tradition. And that is that somehow or another we, try to, we have tried to make her out as a prostitute, a loose woman, or in some way or another reading all kinds of sexual stuff in this. But take it as it is, in terms of this woman... We do know one thing, and that is she's isolated enough either by doing it herself or by being forced by others that she is not there with the other women in the morning gathering water. She's by herself at noon, which is a terrible time in this kind of climate. this desert, to go out all by yourself and maybe she was really hoping to be alone out there finally, you know, just to be away. And she goes out there and A Jewish man is sitting there waiting, really? And he starts talking to her? That's just not right. See, in that context, we have a woman who has known a lot of abuse in that sense. If you take the literal about the five husbands... Now, there's a couple ways to look at it. One of them says, well, the Samaritans had five gods and that this was kind of that way. But if you take it literally as it is, that meant the only ones who had say were men. And that meant five men had taken her and five men had thrown her away. And she had little to do with it. She was abused and thrown away. And the last thing she wants is another religious person. We uh, religious people are real good at judging and putting down and all of that. Uh, This week, uh, a few people gathered in Nashville and put out a statement saying not only condemning uh, homosexuality and same sex marriage, but saying anyone who not only are they not Christian, but anyone who accepts them is not Christian, and so they are the authorities, supposedly. Uh, fortunately, as of last night on my email, anyway, I saw that that something like uh, 30,000 people have signed a petition saying, Nope, <laughs> you're wrong. <laughs> But that kind of judgment on that woman and upon others, when they hear about the church, they think judgment. We're in the midst of a crisis in your hometown and Houston where that flooding. And so we're hearing stories out of that. I've never, the only, I've never been out of the Houston airport, so I know nothing about Houston. been in the airport a few times, uh, sometimes not because I chose connection there, but nevertheless, it, we went through the Houston airport. It's huge. But anyway, uh, try walking across it with 30 minutes in between flights. But in Houston, they had this flood, and the responses have been amazing all over the place. When you hear that a crisis like that brings out the best and the worst, don't believe it. It brings out the best. There are a few incidents of the bad, a few. But, you know, take in the stories a group of men being stranded at the bakery where they work with nothing to do but bake. So they took everything they could find and they baked and baked and baked and shoved out the door all kinds of food. Same ha- thing happened at a pizza parlor. A person who couldn't make it home so he opens this his mattress door and says, it'll be a shelter. These are the kinds of stories, not the other kinds of stories. I went to <clears throat> Katrina uh, as part of an UMCOR team. I actually... I've done a couple dozen uh, work camp kinds of situations. I went three times to Katrina. Uh, I didn't get it all done in the first trip, so. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so as part of it, and then I also went to Haiti, which is where I bought this after the earthquake. So I know something about Umcor teams. When we went. Uh, to, to uh, the, the trip that stands out in mind in, in Katrina to arrive at a place that had been underwater for a long time. Because the water didn't just come in and go out. It came in and then it came in more and more and then when the, when the levees fell it just everything. And it just stayed. There was no way to get it out at all. And so we're looking at if you take the homes and you flood them and just let it sit for a while. And then finally the water does come out. And so we, are, we arrived and we dressed in hazmat suits, which meant the full covering from head to, to foot and hands and everything else. And I remember we pried open that door and look at it. And the first response is to want to throw up. It was Sick. sick. And kind of looked to the side, really, you know, and finally said, well, you had to just put your hands in stuff you would never want to put your hands in and, and started pulling it out. And we couldn't just throw away. The woman whose house we were working on was sitting there. So we kind of sorted through everything as to what was valuable and what was not and we talked to other people who were working, and we began to learn something about this whole effort that's going on right now in Houston. And that is, one is people from all over the place, people from different religious traditions, all gathering and trying to help. That's going on in Houston right now. I've heard you know, of several mosques opening up as well as Christian churches and all of that. And yes, we can focus upon a big church that didn't open right away, or someone's heels or whatever. But let's focus on the fact of the good that is happening. Sometimes we just need to say ourselves, there are a lot of good people. Doing really good stuff and to counter that news and all of the stuff that gets comes in every way and saying, look how awful, terrible, rotten the world is. Well, in this case, we were there, we were there working, and in the midst of it meeting other people and meeting this family and beginning to share. There is something very leveling about a crisis like that. That it's, you no longer kind of say, well, what's your economic status or what is your career or how, are, how is your family situation or everything else? You're kind of together. You're thrown together. God has brought you together to share. And in the midst of that, We need to lift that up. I mean, right now there are people blaming Houston on all kinds of, you know, on on same-sex marriage as the cause of Houston flood. Really? Come on, you know. I mean, there's some bizarre statements going on. Yes, there are faults for it, mostly having to do with zoning and and our failure to address climate change and a few things like that. But our immediate response is not to come in with judgment. The woman in the well meets somebody from religious thing, and she thinks she's going to meet judgment. It is instead seeing and responding and caring and extending that caring. That's what we... Are trying to do. They're throwing the great leveling is when we kind of see our each other's needs and we respond and carrying in that. Jesus saw this woman beyond, beyond just the visible things. Crossed a whole bunch of barriers just to talk to her because you know, a Jewish man, a rabbi seeing this woman, Some would use that as a chance to brag. Well, I didn't even talk to her. Jesus talks to her. Christianity is used sometimes to divide. I'm not like them. This is the bringing together. To be seen and loved and cared for in that this is happening right now in terms of I you know really I'm certified with UMCOR in terms of the emergency response team, but I don't really have time in the next few days. I hope to get down there in the next few months. But I envy people are like, I keep pointing to our guest here. What's her name? Margaret. Margaret is from Houston and says she's still got relatives right there now this morning. And what they're going through. But in our faith, it's not a matter of the judgment. But actually in terms of response, the seeing the we. And the sisters and brothers. Let me say another thing. Most of the victims, not always... Most of the victims are always poor in the case, and there's a good reason for that. Our zoning laws are such that they are put in the places that are badly built and badly zoned and everything else, so they're going to suffer the most. When I was in Katrina, uh, after that I went and visited an uncle, and my uncle said, well, that's God's uh, response to a sinful city. I said, well, God has a poor aim because several hundred churches were destroyed and Bourbon Street wasn't touched. <laughs> so the, the idea that, that somehow or another to start putting judgment, it is a time to come together. It is a time of sharing. And not of more of what religions have done, judgment. But to kind of say the we. Because the last part of that woman's, the mission to that woman is to us. Many of us have been beaten up by the church too. Been told for whatever reason that we are wanting, we don't measure up, we are not good We're not even God's creation, some people have been told. Instead of kind of saying that that the idea of a God that looks at us and saying, okay, here are the rules, and you've violated how many, kind of says, I know you, I see you, and you're accepted. That was the message when she went back to the village. He knew me. Is she a perfect person? No. And none of us are. But it's a point in which you take this and kind of say, are, we are accepted as we are. And we are accepted as we reach out to one another as we reach all the way down to Houston or to Bangladesh and to any number of other places that we have deleted from the news because we're totally focused upon Houston. But first I want to start with you that God accepts you now hear even all those secrets and everything else that God accepts him. and it's okay. It's okay. I'm going to share a poem by someone that we in New England love because he puts out a lot of powerful stuff. Steve Garnis Holmes. Steve Garnis Holmes took this very literally and said in the culture where men, only, uh, men can initiate marriage and divorce she's been thrown away by five husbands and now is used by one who won't commit to her in a culture where women draw water and the order of their social status she's there in the morning water at noon she's a pariah He's a Jew. She's a Samaritan. He's a rabbi. She's a woman. She has no reason to expect an exchange at all, let alone respect. And certainly not an engaging theological discussion. But he sees her. Her not as people's judgment of her. Not as people's judgment of her. But he sees her as she is and accepts her without judgment. She is not immoral. She has been used. He sees her wound. He sees the truth in her. He sees her not as someone flawed, but someone gifted. Something has happened to her that changed her. He talks theology with her no longer than anyone else in the gospels he she, then she leaves her water jug not out of forgiveness but because she knows she's coming back she goes into the village as the former outcast becomes the first Christian evangelist and she brings people to Jesus something happened to her that changed her Imagine that Jesus comes to you in the dull midday of your ordinary life and you are bound by judgments of how good you are. And he sees your wounds. Sees your giftedness. He sees how your wounds inhibit your gifts and yet can propel your gifts. And in his knowing, he sets you free. Leave the water jug. What is the news in you to tell what will you do how will you tell it amen